All right, here it is, Greg. Yes, we've been waiting. I mean, we've been waiting for a long time, going through the mess that has been the last six months. Now we're ready for the football season. We actually have a Patriots game to talk about. We'll get into that game against the Dolphins coming up on Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Before we do, I remind you the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles is brought to you by our friends at BetUS. Support Boston Sports Journal by calling 1-800-79-BETUS and get set up today. Be sure to tell them Boston Sports Journal sent you. I guess we'll start with your official Patriots prediction for the 2020 season. You've got them at 10-6. and six. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I went through uh... – the internet is a great thing, Nick. They have these, uh, <laughs> they have these sites where you can sometimes, go. And, sometimes the internet's a great thing. Other times, not so much. <clears throat> that is true. Just avoid Twitter. Um, so uh, they have these sites where you can predict every single week of the NFL season. So I like to do that, just to fool around and see what happens. And uh, I came out with 10 and 6 for the Patriots. I actually, at, at one point, and you can – sort of gauge the standings as you're going. I had them at four and six at one point. Yeah. And yep. they were a couple games behind the Bills in the AFC East. I think I I think I had them splitting uh, the season series with the Bills. But then they reeled off six straight wins, uh, another one in the playoffs over the Steelers. They lost to the – I think it was the Chiefs. Um, and uh, so that's where I came out. And, I, and it, what's funny is that I went back and I looked at – when the schedule was was released, like everybody does, I went through the the schedule and just said, "Okay, just for you know giggles, I'll go through it." And I came out with ten and six. Also, now I will <laughs> warn people, Nick, uh, that I went through my history at BostonSportsJournal.com uh, of predicting the Patriots season, and I was one game too generous each of the past three years. Mm, uh, so that would leave you to you know nine and seven for us math majors instead of the ten and six. Exactly, and and I will say this, I think that's significant because I I think I think nine and seven. I don't know if the nine and seven is going to get the Patriots into the playoffs, even even with even an with extra the new spot. format. Yeah, I I think um, the way I went through it, I think the AFC West. Uh, I think I also had the Raiders making it. I think they have a little bit of an easier schedule. I think the North has an easier schedule. Uh, the South will beat the, beat each other up as normal, so they will probably have a nine and seven team emerge. They might have yeah. a couple teams right around there, the Colts, uh, you know, and what have you. So, uh, you know, when I once I saw that, once I saw them, I, I I had them at ten and six. I went back and I said you know what, let me just see what happens if I do make them 9-7. and seven. So I changed the Week 16 showdown against the Bills to a Bills victory. That made the Bills the AFC East champion and the Patriots were on the outside looking in. Very similar to 2008, the last time they did not have Tom Brady as their starting, starting quarterback. So, you know, I – I think that's an accurate number. I think I think you know right around anywhere from eleven and five to nine and seven. I am not one of these doom and gloom guys. Yes, they have issues, but that's negating all the other issues that all the other teams have, and 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 the coaching advantage. And so, you know, I don't know. I mean, Nick, do you think that that's being too optimistic, or do you think no. that's yeah? No, I mean, I think again, I think the bottom of the barrel for this team is nine and seven, and that's. The premise is always that you're healthy. If you're healthy, then you'll be better than not, right? So if this team is healthy, including Cam, who's one of the most important guys on the team for obvious reasons, if they're healthy across the board for most of this season, 
I don't think nine and seven is crazy. I don't think 10 and six is crazy. I think you start to feel a little bit too bullish if you bring up 11 wins, which is what they did in 08 when they got hosed and didn't get into the playoffs that year, yeah. uh, as luck would have it. But I don't think nine and seven is outrageous. I don't think 10 and six is outrageous. I think they'll finish right around there as well. I think they'll finish at 10 and six. I think they'll win the AFC East. And this isn't necessarily all about the Patriots when I say they'll go 10 and six. This is also about the AFC, and this yep. is also about the division. I can see them easily split with Buffalo. I can see them win both games against the Jets. I can see them win both games against the Dolphins. Maybe they split down in Miami, but I think they could win all four games against the Jets and Dolphins. And then now you're looking at five wins already. Can they, can they put together five more wins in the season with Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and a healthy Cam Newton? I think they can. And with the AFC being so thin, Greg, I, I think they will get into the playoffs. And I do think they'll end up winning the division. And again, th that's not because I'm blowing smoke up the Pats. I I'm mm -hmm. talking about the Bills as well. I just can't believe in Josh Allen, man. And until I yep. see him play consistent, smart football, especially in big games, I just can't pick that guy to lead his team to winning a division anytime soon. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, and I do want to buy into the Dolphins a little bit with – what Brian Flores and, and Chris Greer are doing down there. Those are Let me ask that, you yep. about Flores because yep. you obviously have intense knowledge about the guy. You've talked mm -hmm. to a lot of people around him. I'm sure you've spoken to him a number yep. of times as well. How good can he be? Like, how good do you think their ceiling could be with him as the head coach? Is this a guy that gets them through that first step and gets them to the playoffs? Or do you think, hey, his ceiling is somebody that could end up being a guy where he brings his team to the dance eventually if things are put together correctly? Yeah, it's a good question, Nick. And, and, you know, Flores is an interesting guy. I've had an interesting history with him myself. He's a guy who uh, he definitely knows what the media is writing and is not afraid oh, really? to confront you about it. Yeah, in, in, in <laughs> fact, he confronted me after the uh, – what was the Super Bowl that they won? I think it was tw the 20 – no. Was it the Seattle one? Uh, no, it was, it must've been the Falcon Super Bowl. Okay. Um, it was whenever Patrick Chung first came back to the Patriots, uh, after going to the Eagles for like a season and, and he, he came up to me, they just won the Super Bowl, mind you. And I'm in the locker room for like five minutes and I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I, I wrote this at BSJ, uh, if people want the, the, the full story, but he, he basically the long story short is he, he he was saying like I could I, I I didn't believe in them like you know we did it we proved you wrong and I was like what are you talking about I picked you to win the Super Bowl to go to the Super Bowl before <laughs> the season I picked you to win the Super Bowl this week and it had to do with a comment that I made on Felger and Maz in training camp where I said if Patrick Chung's the starting safety on this team they're going to be a disaster and he he wanted to confront me about that. It's a and long memory. He it, he stored that in the back of his head and said, oh, oh if yeah. I see Greg Bedard, I'm going after him. Yeah, the whole season. And I said, I said, oh, now I remember. I said, I said, yeah, okay. I you know, I give you credit, but you know, let's be honest. Patrick Chung did not play safety for this team. And he's like, he I said he played linebacker. He said, Oh, he plays safety. He played and I was like, come on, Flo. You know, you know it's good. But anyways, so he he is that type of guy. I do think that that sort of feeds into my thoughts about him. I think that I think that he he knows how to motivate men. Uh, I think players love to play for him. One question mark I have, and you see this with a lot of defensive coaches, is and we've already seen it. Uh, he's already he's in year two, 
and he's on two different offensive coordinators. And yeah. it's not like he got some young hotshot, which is probably – he probably did it on purpose because uh, – and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point down the road. But I think one of the master strokes of genius that, that Belichick has had in building his program that other people don't really uh, think about is that Belichick's a defensive coach, but he said, you know what, our playbook's our playbook. And Nick Saban did the same thing when I covered in Miami. Nick Saban, uh, he had uh, Scott Linehan as his offensive coordinator his first year, and Linehan left, became the Vikings head coach, but he said, we're keeping the playbook. And so there, there's not a lot of, you know, you're not changing terminology and all this stuff every year. It's right. one Patriots offensive playbook. And already they went from, uh, Chad O'Shea in the Patriots playbook. Now they're going to Chan Gailey. He probably picked Chan Gailey because he's older and it's not like he's going to get a head coaching job. Whereas you pick one of these hotshot kids and as soon That's as they point. put up as soon as they put up 35 points a game, they get a head coaching job. And now you're the Sean McVay's of the world, the Matt LaFleur's of the world, those guys. Yeah. And so I, I think I think Flores did that on purpose, but also, you know, it's a it's tough sell. I mean, Chan Gailey hasn't been an NFL offensive coordinator since the 2015, 2016 jets. And, uh, you know, he, he used to be one of the, the innovators on offense. Now I, you know, you got to think that the game has maybe passed him by a little bit offensively. It's just gone to a different level. Can yeah. he do that? And, and if he doesn't, if he's not the right guy for Tua, what are they going to bring in somebody else with a different playbook? So I think in many regards, I think that Flores has a high ceiling as a head coach. I think he's already seeing, you're already seeing some of the, uh, you know, maybe weaknesses or blind spots that often defensive coaches have. And so that's, that's sort of the question that I have. And, and we see this with a lot of coaches. I mean, even, you know, Harbaugh in Baltimore was stumbling in the dark, you know, basically on the border of being fired yeah. uh, recently until he stumbled into Greg Roman, who, yep. who rescued him from Marty Morningweg and that did a terrible fantastic offense. job so, with that Baltimore offense and mm -hmm. figured out a way to get the most out of Lamar Jackson. Yep. Brought in Mark Ingram, who was a perfect complement in that backfield. They made Mark Andrews one of the top tight ends in the league. So, I mean, Roman absolutely, I think, changed the trajectory of where yep. Harbaugh was going because up until that point, the last you know, four or five years, he was a 500 coach. He didn't have a ton of success in the playoffs. Yep. Speaking of coaching, though, I'm looking at the rundown that you sent me tonight, Greg, and, and you, you have written down here that Bill Belichick is your coach of the year. Yeah, uh, I, I just, you know, when I looked at it, when you think about Tom Brady's gone, uh, all the COVID opt-outs, uh, let alone the – That the, feels the, like it was a year ago, by the way, the COVID opt-outs. feels seriously. like it was a year ago. I know. But they, they also – you know, all the guys they lost in free agency, some of whom they'll see yeah. on Sunday with the Dolphins. You know, I just think if Bill Belichick can go 10-6, and six, I think this is going to – I think the way it came out for me, 4-6, and six, I do think they're going to start slow uh, with all the changes. But then I do think they're going to get hot. And I think that Belichick's a guy he's, – he's won in 2003 – uh, you know, okay, I don't really remember the circumstances with that team. I mean, they were just one year away from winning the Super Bowl. They didn't make the playoffs in 2002. 2007, we all know about. 2010 uh, was a, you know, great coaching job. I thought 2011 was a much better coaching job. And I just think that Belichick doesn't get his due. And I think that the circumstances this year, if <laughs> – Nick, there has never been a season when the Patriots have been more ripe for the taking – yeah. Then this year, and if yep. Belichick 
finds a way to win the division again. First of all, I think Sean McDermott might just you know, jump off a bridge in Buffalo. But <laughs> I, I, I just think that he should be honored for that. And it would be much more impressive than, say, Mike McCarthy taking over the Cowboys and not really doing a whole lot. I mean, what, improving them like a game or two? I mean, yeah, the, it, 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 10 and 6 would be a one-game slide. But in terms of the, the difference in the team, yeah, it would be a, a very impressive season to me. Yeah, and you brought up the idea of I, – I do feel like there's a lot of people out there downplaying the Patriots this year, doubting them. Even locally, you see people talking about six wins and seven wins, and there's not a lot expected, I think, from most people with this team, even from fans that I see on Twitter tweeting about this team, not really believing that they're going to be a playoff team or you know, if they get to the playoffs, it's luck, and then they're going to fall apart. But what I do find intriguing about this season, Greg, and, and I actually find it exciting, and I'm, I'm trying to learn to embrace this, is the mm -hmm. unpredictability. I mean, yes, it's great what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were able to put together, and the two-decade run that they had was terrific. But as a media member, as a sports talk show host, as a fan of the Patriots, you knew what to expect. You knew precisely what this team was going to look like for the most part, especially on offense. And what I'm excited about this year is there's a lot of new feelings going on here. Like, I don't know what to expect necessarily from Cam Newton. I can tell you what my expectations are. I don't know if he's going to fulfill those expectations. Uh, you know, is Damian Harris going to become the guy in the backfield? Is Nikhil Harry going to show up and be a consistent number two receiver behind Edelman? What's the young tight ends look like? There's, there's so many questions I actually find this team very intriguing because I don't think we have any idea what this team is going to look like. And that is something that we haven't gone through in a couple of decades with this team, aside yeah. from 08, obviously when Brady blew his ACL out, that's really the last time you said, okay, well, what is this going to look like? How can they adjust? What are they going to do? Can they be successful? Yeah. I, I think, I think overall, I think, uh, in, in all sorts of different regards to life. I think that change is good. It's reinvigorating. And uh, look, I didn't grow up a Patriots fan, even though from, uh, I'm from around here. I actually grew up a Dolphins fan. Uh, <laughs> quite the coincidence. Hey, Ugh. look, Marino was my guy. What can I say? And, yeah, I but, but I will, with that. <laughs> I will say that, uh, you know, my whole family, all my high school buddies from Lincoln Sudbury, they're all huge Patriots fans. And I, and I, I will say that, you know, the past couple of years, some of them have remarked to me about like, you know, Hey, maybe Brady should retire or, you know, move on just to, you know, something different. I know there are Patriots fans out there who think that's, you know, sacrilege. That, like, yeah. They're going you, crazy right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you had it great for so long. Why would you give that up until it dies on the vine? And, you know, I could just see, you know, it, just something different. I mean, cause pretty much every Patriot season has been the same. It's been great, but uh, I'm interested to see if Belichick uh, can be great in a different way with a totally different quarterback. And, and then, you know, we all know that Bill Belichick's one of the greatest ever, but you know, Joe Gibbs won multiple Super Bowls with other quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Bill Parcells did. Um, you know, there have been other, other coaches that have done it. And I, you know, I want to see if Belichick can do it. I think, I think he can in these waning years. And so I, I too am excited to see it, even though I didn't hate watching Tom every week. No, no, I didn't hate it either. And I, I think it's a delicate balance, right? You want to make sure that you say, Hey, I enjoyed the heck out of the last 20 years. However, 
there is a bit of an energy. There is a bit of an excitement about this team. And I, I think when you look at the energy of Cam, it's kind of funny. I think some fans have that kind of energy. They want to embrace that. They want to feel something different. And they want to see how this all looks on Sunday. We're going to Speaking see of Sunday, Superman before we get to a, the Superman, over the place the on Superman Sunday. celebration, I'm fine with it. Superman, as long as you're producing and you're winning, Superman all the time. I was yeah. fine with it when he did it in Carolina. I yep. have no issue with that kind of stuff. All right, before we get to a Joe Shad interview that you have, uh, I do want to ask you a couple, about a couple of things with this game coming up on Sunday. First of all, three rookie starters on the offensive line. What's that going to look like? Yeah, there are a ton of changes with the Dolphins. And actually, I haven't even sorted through them. On both sides of the ball, they have new place, faces all over the place. I think all of that factors in and plays in with the Dolphins. And actually, so they have Austin Jackson, the first-round pick. He's yep. going to start at left tackle. Solomon Kinley at guard, and also Robert Hunt at right tackle. So those are three rookies. Plus, you have Eric Flowers, who was a disaster as a, a tackle at the Giants. You have steady Teddy Karras, uh, you know, love you mean it, uh, Teddy, was, you know, did a nice job, a, a solid job last year replacing Andrews. But, and he's, he's, he's a captain uh, in his first year. So are Landon Roberts and Kyle Van Noy. Uh, but, you know, good pass blocker, not the greatest of, of run guys. But I think, you know, for week one, and knowing that your defense is going to be ahead of your offense, I don't think Belichick could dream up a better scenario than, you know, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be an issue, has been an issue for this team. They certainly have talent. But with the Patriots doing all their sort of amoeba and different stunts and twists and bringing linebackers and bringing safeties, uh, I think basically Bill Belichick wants to have those, those rookies they're basically their heads spinning by about uh, midway through the first quarter. And <laughs> yeah. I think that plays right into the Patriots and gives them a big advantage. This now, week. Another, another thing about this game that's interesting. And, you know, I agree with you that young offensive line, I'm not too concerned about Fitzpatrick. I know he's had some pretty decent games against new England and he's done pretty well against Belichick, all things considered. Of course, it's always relative when we're talking about Belichick and his record against quarterbacks, et cetera. I'm not too worried, though, because I just – I believe in this secondary. I think they're elite, and I'm not too concerned about Fitzpatrick putting up as much as they can. Now, it is interesting, you know, Stephon Gilmore, he pops up on the injury report. You know, what's that going to look like? Hamstring, soft tissue yep. kind of deal. We have to be ready for that this season. You never know. You're going to have a lot of guys that could probably pop up on, on the injury report with some issues. So, we'll see. Um, the other part of this, though, we already talked about Chan Gailey, the new offensive coordinator, but – you know, you, you have down here that Miami had the league's third highest man coverage rate at 46%. You think that is crucial with Cam's debut coming up on Sunday? Absolutely. And I think this, this sort of all folds into the biggest factor I, I have in all this. And when you look back at uh, whether it's Brian Flores last year beating the Patriots in week 17, uh, Eric Mangini back when he was with the Browns, Matt Patricia, the last time the Patriots played uh, the Lions up there and, you know, kind of got the snot kicked out of them by Patricia's defense. These defensive coaches that have left the Patriots and have gone against the Patriots, they've sort of had the formula. Like, they've gone against the offense. They've gone yeah. against Tom. They know, all right, you see this motion. They're going to do this. If we give them this look, this is what they're going to take. Now with Cam, it's complete. That that is completely off the table, and I think – one thing when I, I started looking back at that week 17 game last week, because I wanted to see, all right, well, they played them this way with Tom. How are they going to play him with Cam? And what jumps off the page is 
they are stacking the box and they are man to man and they are basically saying like go ahead tom try to beat us with whatever they had out there in week 17 yeah, and punishing and, the receivers right punishing yep. the receivers making them you know trying to force them to separate and 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 be physical and try to make plays on their own and it usually did not work out well yeah it didn't work out but the thing is and we've talked about it before with cam newton Flores can't do that. He can't go man pressure, man pressure all the time, 46% of the time. Probably in that game against the Patriots, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 70% the amount they played man in that game. They can't do it because if you play man coverage on the outside and say the Patriots say, all right, in a lot of in their playbook, they say, all right, if you see man coverage, then you're converting to a vertical or whatever. You got receivers running down the field. Those cornerbacks turn their back. Cam Newton sees that all of a sudden he turns he turns the corner it's 10 15 yards easy so Flores can't do what he wants to do and you combine the the not being able to play man coverage with Flores no longer having the secret sauce and how to stop this Patriots offense to me it plays right into the hands of Josh McDaniels and you got to think like this is a time where you know, Josh has sort of been on the short end going against some of these guys. Now, all of a sudden, he has the advantage because he knows what he can do. Those other guys have no idea. And a very intriguing situation this year to me is Josh McDaniels. And there seems to be a lot of, uh, I don't know if it's pressure. I, I, would, I would probably say it's pressure. Th- these expectations of, oh, he's going to do something funky. He's going to do something different. He finally has a guy that is more 2020 than you know, 2000, like he had with Brady and Brady, obviously, again, the disclaimer that we got to throw out there, he was obviously great, greatest of all time, et cetera, et cetera. But he played a game, you know, he played the game a certain way. And now you have somebody who brings a lot of different elements to the field and cam, and it is going to be fascinating. It's going to be compelling to see how that all comes together with McDaniels before we get to the uh, Joe Shad interview. And of course we get the Boston sports journal.com member question of the day. Uh, tell us about bet us, Greg. Yeah, listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? BetUS is the pioneer in online betting. The pioneer. Yeah, the pioneer. They've been around for a while with more than 25 years in the biz. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. No doubt. You know, Nick, just to let you know, I was checking out BetUS earlier today. Okay. Six and a half is still the spread. So later on in the podcast, I want your pick on this game. So All right. All uh, right. We'll do it. So get your bet in on this whole Sunday. We got college football. We got everything. Call today at 1-800-79-BETUS. That's 1-800-79-BETUS. And they will walk you through getting started. Nobody in, in, in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now. Mention my name, Greg Bedard, or Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 100, 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. 25 years in the biz, the best bonuses. BetUS should be your sportsbook. Join today. Call 1-800-79-BETUS or go to BetUS.com. Remember to mention Greg Bedard to get your bonus. Yeah, tell him that Badad sent you. And tell him that Badad was wearing his Rutgers shirt when he sent you, too. He's rocking That's the right. Rutgers gear, which I got to appreciate because they've been really bad. Uh, let's go to uh, the Joe Shad interview with you, Greg. We'll come back, back after that and, and uh, give you all the bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. We are bringing our popular on-the-beat uh, 
section of bostonsportsjournal.com to the podcast and the video this time around. This is when we like to check in with a beat writer, uh, one of our old buddies from uh, the team that they're playing and sort of get the lowdown on the team. And I'm very excited. And this is actually, you know, it's, it's, I, I would say it's fitting that Joe Shad is the first person to be featured. And Joe, if you guys don't know, Joe was actually my first beat partner on the Dolphins at the Palm Beach Post. Joe's at the Palm Beach Post still. And after going to ESPN and doing great college football work there. But uh, welcome, Joe. And uh, it's it's hard to believe. Let's see, that was 2004, I think it to was. 04. <laughs> yeah, I covered covered the team the first time from 02 to 04. So Dave wants that. Nick Saban arrived and I left just in time. <laughs> Just in time, and I had to inherit the Nick Saban, Cam Cameron uh, crap. But I got to say, uh, and this holds true no matter where I've been, Palm Beach Post, Milwaukee Journal, Sentinel, The Globe, Sports Illustrated, everywhere. Joe Shad is probably the best beat reporter that I have ever been around. I, I don't think I – I certainly learned a lot from Bob McGinn and Tom Silverstein in, in Milwaukee, but Joe showing me the ropes and what it – what it means and what you need to do to be a beat writer in the NFL. I mean, it was, uh, it was a rude awakening. It, it, it certainly whipped me into shape and, uh, and certainly contributed to uh, my career doing this. Um, so Thanks, thank man. you for that, Joe. Thank you, man. <laughs> Appreciate uh, it. So let's, let's dive into this. Uh, question number one is I think Patriots fans want to know, they want an update on, uh, the, the Patriots that signed with uh, the Dolphins in the offseason. Kyle Van Noy, Landon Roberts, Ted Karras, uh, you know, Eric Rowe was there, I, I think, a year before. Um, can, can you give us sort of an update on how those guys have fit in and what kind of role do you see them having this Sunday against their former team? You know, it's interesting, Greg. Kyle Van Noy was voted a captain by his teammates ahead of Jerome Baker who gets pushed aside. He was a captain last year. Landon Roberts also voted a captain. Uh, and these guys, you know, haven't be, been here long at all. Uh, and Ted Karras also is going to be a key contributor. Uh, so all three guys have made fabulous first impressions. The Dolphins need Van Noy, who will play on Sunday with a soft cast on an injured hand to lead the team in sacks this year. That is what uh, is the calling for him. Landon Roberts has really been a vocal enforcer type in camp uh, surprised me with how aggressive and enthusiastic yep. and 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 just mean he is and the <laughs> yes. Dolphins need that I didn't know that that's what the Dolphins were getting this Roberts guy is like he's, he'd be like a like a fighter in hockey yep. like he'd, he'd go around the ice looking to take someone's head off and so he's going to be in on you know run run packages they'll go with uh Camus Grugier-Hill, another former Patriot, yep. on the passing downs. But I forgot about him. Seven former Patriots players, four former Patriots coaches. So 11 here. You guys only have one that's a consultant of some sort. So not a lot of Dolphins going to Patriots land. Uh, and Ted Karras, they, the Dolphins hope that he'll be an improvement over Daniel Kilgore, who was uh, you know, a good leader last year, but was really pushed around in the trenches. The Dolphins figure to be, Greg, uh, 20 pounds or more uh, per man along the offensive line. They added some huge people. And so they're going to try to run the football. Uh, they were the worst team in the NFL by far rushing the football uh, last year. But they think 
that with Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, and four new offensive linemen, all of whom are huge, huge, they, uh, they think they can actually move people this year. That would be nice for a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they've been so bad on the O-line. I, I got to tell you, uh, E-Rob was one of my favorite players in the Patriots locker room. And, like, and, and uh, he, he was one guy who would – it's too bad you don't get to be face with, face-to-face with him in the locker room. Not great because, on Zoom. Yeah, probably not. He's more of an in-person guy, and he's not afraid. I will tell you this. He's not afraid to call out media members, and he knows – what you're writing. And I think Brian, he, he, Brian Flores and Roberts have a, have a unique relationship where I think Flores tries to push his buttons in, in, cause I remember one time uh, I, I talked about one training camp a couple years ago, I talked about how Roberts could be uh, on the cutting block and someone probably Brian Flores snapshotted it and sent it to Roberts and he showed it to me in the locker room. And so wow. he's got, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of bite. He's also the same guy that said, uh, when he played fullback last year that he wanted to knock MFers uh, faces off and, and, and things like that. So yeah, he is, uh, he's unique. Teddy Karras is just a great guy. Uh, yeah. You know, but good, big, strong pass blocker, but not the fleetest of foot in the run game. That was an issue for the Patriots, but you know, maybe the run game will be different. And actually that's the second question I had for you. So, you know, we know Chad O'Shea was there. The Dolphins came in here and, kicked the crap out of the best defense in in the NFL last year when the Patriots needed a win. Chad Chad O'Shea gets fired most likely because they needed to dumb things down because they're it's a rebuilding team with a young quarterback with Tua uh, who's going to be a starter eventually. But so they bring back Chan Gailey, who I think I think you and I he might have been on the Dolphins staff the first time around back when we covered the team. What have you seen out of this offense and what how different what what are the differences going to be from what we saw last year, maybe in week 17? Man, honestly, it's hard to tell. We've had no preseason. We did watch some summer practices, but you don't see a ton of scheme stuff. I mean, I think they're going to try to lean on the strengths of their players. You know, I think you're going to see Ryan Fitzpatrick still taking some shots downfield to Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. I think you're going to see a minimizing of the importance of the tight end position, which means fewer catches, fewer opportunities for Mike Gesicki, who's somewhat of a a fantasy darling for some of those fantasy football gurus. I don't see it. Uh, I think they're really going to try to go a a lot of power and when Tua gets in there, they're going to lean on his strengths. And I'm, you know, maybe that's somewhere in November. You'll see a ton of slants and outs, slants and outs. It's going to be a quick uh, throwing offense. But I think Fitz, they're just going to let Fitz do what Fitz wants to do. You know, at the end of last season, the Dolphins basically admitted that Fitz had taken over the offense. Yeah. He was deciding what to call, and, and he was telling his players, what was best for the offense. So that decision to get rid of O'Shea was likely uh, made prior to that upset. Uh, You know, I think uh, probably when they're 0-7, Flo started thinking about a change. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I was looking back at it today, and the last time that the Patriots saw Chan Gailey was with the Jets in 2016, and Fitzpatrick was his quarterback. And, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody got fired after that season. That was Bowles was there but they only managed 20 points total in two matchups against the Patriots. So it'll be interesting to see how they attack him. 
Uh, third question I have for you is just sort of what's the, what's the vibe? We know last year was uh, everybody was talking about them rebuilding. Uh, what's the vibe around the team? Do they think they could uh, be a surprise team in the AFC East? Or, or, and, and what's your opinion? Do you think they're you know, a distant third, which is the way I see them? But I do think, look, I think a lot of Flores and I think a lot of the way him and Chris Greer are building this team. And I think they could surprise some teams this year. Yeah, uh, much better vibe. You remember uh, it was about a week before last season that the Dolphins waved the white flag, sending Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills away. Yeah. And then about a week into the season, they traded Minka Fitzpatrick. So it was clear that this thing was being torn down to the studs. And while there were a lot of undrafted rookie free agents who were ready to give their blood, sweat, and tears to everything Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, he's essentially an associate head coach. Uh, everything Brian Flores and his staff were asking, there were a few veterans like a Rashad Jones who would soon be shut down and sent away who were like, really? Like, we have no chance. Are you kidding me? This year, at least Brian Flores has a chance with the addition of 11 draft choices, a multitude of key free agents, including Van Noy and Byron Jones. Um, Greg, I picked the Dolphins to go 7-9. to nine. It's interesting. You see ESPN picked them at 4-12. and 12. You see Peter King picked them at 10 and 6. So there's a huge Whoa. disparity in terms of predictions. Uh, I think 7 to 9, probably more 7 or 8, is a positive step in the right direction. And then it's next year that the Dolphins try to seize control of the AFC East. Uh, question number four that I had for you is, uh, look, the, whether it's the draft or free agency, a lot of changes uh, with the Dolphins this year and even in the coaching staff like we talked about with Gailey. Uh, give me one guy on each side of the ball who uh, Patriots fans really don't know that might pop uh, come Sunday. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, you know, Malcolm Perry is a gadget player. Uh, he was a quarterback at Navy. He can play running back and slot receiver. Uh, I can't say with certainty that he's going to dress on Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a seventh round draft choice. He told us that Bilicek was very interested. He actually said he spent most of his time with Bilicek and the Patriots prior to the draft. So uh, we'll see if Perry can make an impact uh, at receiver, maybe all over the field. And then also uh, if he can make a, uh, an impact in the return game. Uh, from a pass rush perspective, um, you know, the Dolphins got no pressure last year at all. They were among the worst teams in the league. The loss of Vince Beagle to a season-ending injury certainly hurts. Um, this guy named uh, Andrew Van Ginkle who spent most of last season on injured reserve. He was a late-round draft choice out of Wisconsin. He's looked quite good. Uh, he's stronger. He's faster. I think that Van Ginkle is a guy who might take on some of the role that Beagle left uh, due to the injury. Okay. Uh, last question I have for you. Uh, what's your pick for this weekend and an addendum to this? Do you think we'll see Tua at all uh, for a series uh, come Sunday? Uh, I do not think the Dolphins will use Tua unless uh, necessary. Obviously, uh, they believe that, uh, you know, he can play in an emergency. Otherwise, they wouldn't have cut Josh Rosen. Uh, but I still think in an ideal situation, this team doesn't get turned over to Tua uh, until November. So you have one year separation between that serious hip injury 
and uh, and playing. And that the average top ten quarterback over the last ten years makes his debut in week four. So if the Dolphins are off to an zero and three start, there's going to be tremendous pressure. Yep. But I can tell you, Brian Flores doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he does. Can I say that? Yeah, okay. you can. Right, <laughs> he doesn't. I, I I I rarely use cuss word, but I really wanted to emphasize that you know when I went after him at the end of last year for not playing Josh Rosen with a three and eleven record. He put me in my place. He said, you know, you are not in the trenches with us. And he basically led me to understand that Josh Rosen was never going to be in the trenches with them. And so, you know, sometimes it's good to push a guy like Coach Flores yep. because he's not used to that. And I think mm -hmm. he, he kind of revealed a little bit there of, 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 of honesty. But I did pick the Patriots to win on Sunday by a touchdown. I think they're six and a half point uh, favorites last check. Uh, you know, Vegas knows. And, uh, you know, I would not be surprised at all. The gap is clearly closed between the Dolphins and the Patriots. Uh, you know, the talent level is not dissimilar. The reason I picked the Patriots is I think they're going to have a hard time uh, handling Cam Newton's running. And But more than anything, I think that Bill Belichick will find a way to exploit the three rookie starters for the Dolphins, one at left tackle, one at right guard, and potentially one at corner. I just yeah. think that Belichick will find a way to uh, exploit those youngsters. Yeah, I just checked uh, betus.com, and it is still six and a half. I haven't made my full pick, but I, I think I am going to uh, – I think I'm going to take the points uh, with this one as well just because, I mean, I think in my advice for the Dolphins is do what they did last year, get in a track meet with these guys because I think uh, from what we saw in training camp, these Patriots, they need the lead. They need to play ball control. Uh, they need Cam to be a factor in the running game because if they he, he's not going to win, uh, you know, many forty-five to fifty shootouts. That's for sure. And so uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots probably by you know seven as well. Might get up to ten by the time I'm done with it, but uh, we'll have to see what happens. But um, hey, thanks, buddy. Thanks for joining me on this. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, socially distance in the uh, Foxborough press box on uh, on Sunday and. Uh, here we go. Another season. We made it. Good to see you, Greg. All right. It's time for the uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Greg, uh, check out BSJ for 11 cents a day. That's it. 11 cents a day. It's obnoxiously cheap uh, on their annual plan. I'm actually a part of that. I I've been the annual plan guy since yes, the very, very beginning of Boston Sports Journal. That's before Greg asked me to do this lovely podcast with him. <laughs> uh, you have access to Greg. You've got access to Sean McAdam. My guy, B-Rob, Connor Ryan, uh, Dr. Jessica Flynn, many more to come down the road here. Boston sports coverage the way you remember it. No clickbait, no BS, no politics. Straight up top-notch analysis of your teams from a team and company that is all New England. Uh, our BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day, Greg, comes from Bad Axe 33 Maybe he's a Larry Bird fan. He's, maybe he's, he's a Kevin Falk fan. I can tell you he's very active in our daily Q&As. He's, all, he's he, all over my case. He's peppering me with questions. All right. Well, good job. Solid job out of Bad Axe 33 Greg, I know you talk about how poor the passing offense was in the sessions that you watched. However, could the reason be our defensive backs are just so good? Like you said, even Ross and Bryant are good. Duggar, a rookie, was very good early as well. So how much, when you look at this offense, the passing game struggles, Greg, how much do you credit the defense versus how much you actually look at the offense and go, oh, they're just not good? <laughs> uh, certainly a little. You know, Nick, I, I just think that 
certainly I've been watching football for, for a while. So I, I, I like to think that I know the difference and look, you have to give the Patriots secondary a ton of credit. I, yeah. and they are, they're spectacular. I mean, e- even like bad said, I mean, D'Angelo Ross and Miles Bryant are two guys that uh, were released. I'm not sure if they're back on the practice squad. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, two kids who, who really did a nice job in camp and made plays and, and they're just so deep in the secondary. And so, yes, they deserve a lot of credit. They make things a lot tougher. That being said, you still should see flashes of big plays in the, in the passing game. Those were few and far between much lower than any other training camp I I've been to across the league. Uh, I think also I look at Cam Newton's sort of processing the game and it's on the slow side. And that is one of my big worries with Cam. It has been watching him in the past is you'll watch him on coaches film, Nick, and you'll say, you, you'll even see the coverage, which way it's going and be like, okay, well, this guy's going to be open and like, you know, three-step drop, boom, get it out. And he's like three-step hesitate, then get it out. And so we saw a lot of that on the practice field. Why so is it that? was very is clunky. It because, is it because that's just a weakness of his? Is it that he's trying to learn the offense and it's not quite going quick enough in his head? Is it because he's trying to be too perfect because he knows there's a lot of pressure on him? and that he's got to prove to the football world that he's still a starting kind of franchise quarterback? Or is it a combination of all those things? Like, well, how, do you feel, uh, how do you feel about his kind of mental yeah. about the game, his football IQ and how he reads things when you look back at his past and, and, and what you saw at camp? Yeah, I, I, I want to say it's all, all of those things, Nick. I, I just think that he's a guy, and you got to remember, this is a kid who played at Auburn. Uh, under Gus Malzahn, and that is one of the simplest college offenses that you'll ever see. Everything's yeah. pretty much dictated for the quarterback. So that's sort of his base. Urban Meyer wasn't a whole lot different when Cam was originally recruited to the University of Florida. Uh, the Panthers have never had a sophisticated passing game. Uh, you know, even with North Turner, uh, they didn't make it very hard. But I just think it's – I think it's Cam – Nick, what you have – most of the time with quarterbacks, you will see they're either anticipation throwers or they're, they're see it and throw it type of quarterbacks. And, and the difference is, is guys read the coverages and they anticipate guys throw, being open. They throw to spots and, instead of throwing just to the receiver. Even Brady, Brady wasn't that much of an anticipation thrower, but he, he knew where to place the ball. Cam, I think, is more towards Brady in that regard in terms of he will hit spots and he is careful about where he puts the ball. But I just think that uh, this has been a shortcoming of his. I expect Josh McDaniels to bake that into the Patriots offense where he doesn't have to survey too much. He'll give them more half field reads so they can play a little bit faster, but it is definitely a concern going into the season. And it just wasn't the Patriots great secondary. Oof. All right. Uh, let's go to the uh, pick them. Pick them uh, game for coming up on Sunday from the both of us. Uh, thanks to BetUS. And, and BetUS is lying on the game. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, Greg. The Patriots minus six and a half. The over-under is 42. What would you tell the people to do here? Well, let's see. I, I, just, think, I just think the Patriots being at home, they have less – new parts they certainly have a lot of new parts uh, that need to be broken in 
I just think this plays to the Patriots' advantage. I do, and like we talked about, I think that the Flores, knowing the secret sauce of the Patriots' offense, that is completely out the window now. So it's a completely different matchup between a former Belichick defensive disciple and the Patriots. And so for that reason, I I'm taking I'm taking the points. I'm going uh, I'm going over that. I think the Patriots win twenty seven. 17. 27-17, uh, which would put you at the 44 over the 42. Yep. It would mean that you lay the points, you give Miami the six and a half. And, you know, I think looking at this season, it's so tough, especially in week one, yeah. trying to figure out who's going to win. And especially when you talk about spreads, uh, I do think that things can be a little funky and sloppy early on. I, I just feel like I'd go with the under here just yep. because of the first week, no preseason, no joint practices. Like you said, there's a lot of newness. You've got three rookies on the Miami offensive line. You've got all the things that New England's trying to figure out, McDaniels and Cam, all that kind of stuff. So I'd go with the under. But I also think the Patriots will cover here. It might be a late cover, but I, I just think Fitzpatrick against this elite secondary, I do think, like you mentioned, Greg, earlier on in the podcast, that because of that young offensive line with Miami, Belichick's going to mess around with those guys, going to screw around, move some guys around before the snap. And, you know, I, I could see something like, I don't know, I, I could see 17-10, I could see 21-13, something in that area and where it would be below that 42, but the Patriots still cover. So, but I, I'm pretty confident that they will win week one and get off to a pretty decent start, all things considering. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think this, this is a really good opponent for the Patriots in week one. Uh, the, the Dolphins, I think they're, they're certainly on their way up. They are more talented than they have been. I think they're going to be a, better t- a much tougher matchup in the second half of the season, especially if Tua is out there and part of the mix. I don't think he's going to be in the mix in week one, not even for a series. I think it's too early for that. Uh, but I, I think that this is a good, this is a really good soft opener for the Patriots. They need it, but um, you know, look, they, they, the one thing they can't do, they can't get in that many shootouts and Fitzpatrick likes to do that. He likes to get shotgun yeah. empty, just let it go. That's where the secondary comes into play. And, and the, the Patriots are going to need that secondary to be the best in the league uh, for them to get a win on Sunday. And it'll be interesting because, of course, the last time Parker played against Gilmore, things did not work out so well for Stephon Gilmore. So he's got something to prove. I think he's got a little bit of a chip. Of course, he showed up again on the injury report. We'll see if he's even out there. Parker's been banged up. We'll see how he looks. A lot of unpredictability about the 2020 football season. But Greg and I, we will be here throughout its entirety. We both like the Patriots coming up on Sunday, 1 o'clock at Gillette Stadium. But Dard has them at 10-6. and six. I pretty much have them at 10-6 and six as well. We feel, I think, pretty similar about this football team heading into the year. Yep. Uh, everybody enjoy the football weekend. Enjoy Patriots-Dolphins. We'll be back early next week. See if we were right. See if we were wrong. What happened in this game. And then, of course, maybe a little look ahead to what's coming up in week two. Till then, it is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. That's my last name, right? Nick Cattles. <laughs> I mean, come on. Greg Bedard, Nick Cattles, uh, sponsored by BetUS. Check them out at 1-800-79-BETUS.